If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 165 of the Leading Learning Podcast. With the holidays upon us, we're giving ourselves a little breathing room by going back into the archives to feature an episode from the past that we think deserves a second listen. Specifically, we're going to replay a conversation Salisa and I had more than a year ago on some of the practices of internet marketers and how they might apply to your learning business. Before we do that, though, we want to let you know about our sponsor for this episode. And that sponsor is Learning Technology Design, our annual virtual conference designed specifically for those who work in the business of lifelong learning, continuing education, and professional development. This will be our fourth time offering LTD, and we know from feedback we've received that past attendees have found it to be a unique and highly valuable experience. Registration is open at ltd.tagoras.com. We're also offering the opportunity to be a patron for LTD. That's an option that may be of interest to companies that serve learning businesses. You can find out more by going to ltd.tagoras.com patron. And we want to thank and spotlight our current patrons. 360 Factor, Authentic Learning Labs, Avalar, Compartners, Digitel, EventGuard, ReviewMyLMS, and WebCourseWorks. And we've highlighted these patrons on the LTD website, and we'll also include links to them in the show notes for this episode. And definitely do take the time to find out more about them. These companies, they've demonstrated their commitment to learning businesses by becoming patrons. So we really encourage you to support them. We also, of course, encourage you to register for LTD 2019. But in the meantime, we're going to cut to our conversation about internet marketing and how a little knowledge of what successful internet marketers do could go a long way in helping you to market your education business. If you are a longtime subscriber to Leading Learning, you may remember some of what we cover here, but it is definitely well worth reviewing. And if you are newer to the podcast, welcome. We certainly hope you will subscribe if you haven't already. And now, let's roll the archive. So, speaking of subscribing, speaking of uh, internet, websites, uh, downloadable resources, we're going to focus in on the whole concept of internet marketing and specifically internet marketers and what they do, or at least what the really successful ones do to be successful. And we should probably clarify up front here what, what we mean when we say internet marketer. You know, we're not talking about just any old company or person who markets things online. In that sense, we're probably all internet marketers in, in one way or another. But this really applies specifically to entrepreneurs who make their living, and in some cases, make a fortune, really, primarily through marketing and selling effectively online. So, you know, some examples of these types of people are uh, Jeff Walker would be a big one, uh, famous for his product launch uh, series, Brendan Bouchard, uh, the guys over at Internet Business Mastery, uh, Ryan Dice. Uh, these are some of the people that uh, we're talking about. And, you know, many internet marketers sell only digital products. That's, that's all they do. Not all of them, but many of them do sell physical products and events and things like that. But digital products are big. Many of them have, you know, no physical store or offices. Uh, they may not even have products of their own. They may be doing affiliate marketing to generate sales from other people's products. But 
whatever their specific approach to running their online business is, there really is a, a core set of rules that we've found over time just observing these people because we do, we do carefully observe them day in and day out to see what they're doing. Um, there's really kind of a core set of rules that all of the successful internet marketers follow. And so we're going to go over, we, we've kind of grouped those into to seven areas, seven rules, and we're going to share those seven rules in, in this episode. And so the first rule is value first. Um, and I know if you've been listening to our podcast or been following what we do at Tagora, so you know how uh, we like to harp on value because really, you know, you're not going to be able to sell or market anything effectively if you aren't offering something of value to your customers and your prospective customers. Now, the, the sort of added trick is um, that you've got to provide that value before you start charging for additional value. And this is something that internet marketers really get. They really understand that, you know, before people are going to be willing to, to pay a dime, uh, they need to know that you actually have something of value, that you can actually help them with their problem or help them seize an opportunity. And even before uh, handing over something like an email or other identifying information. So, you know, there's money, but then there's also this other uh, information like an email. And I'd say that it's getting incredibly and increasingly uh, um, competitive so that people don't really want to, you know, hand over their email again unless they see that there's something of valuable. So you need practical, actionable um, types of resources that are freely available, freely in the sense of zero dollars and also um, uh, available without having to sign up for anything. And so if you're having any sort of um, difficulty with your learning business, if your enrollments aren't where you want to see them, um, if you aren't getting the, the uptake in, in any of your, you know, among any of your offerings, um, what we would encourage you is to look at value. Are you actually offering something of value? Um, and what can you uh, offer that helps um, lead people logically to sign up for that course, to make that uh, enrollment purchase, to sign up for your conference? What is it that you can do in terms of maybe brief videos or uh, PDFs with a, a checklist or, or, or a variety of things? What can you do to provide some value so that people can begin to see what you know and what you can help them with? And this is really the the momentum area of the value ramp for folks that are familiar with our value ramp and we'll link to the value ramp in the show notes so that you can see this. But uh, this is, you know, providing those resources up front. Again, as you were saying, Salisa, you're not necessarily asking for an email address initially. It's a blog post. It's a, it's a podcast episode like uh, this, this one happens to be, um, but getting, attracting people to you because you're providing that value. Then you may move to accepting uh, or, or getting people to, to give you their emails. Um, and then eventually, obviously, as the value value escalates, you're going to move into charging for it and charging them more and more. But really thinking in terms of providing significant value up front so you can start that momentum and then take them up the value ramp. So value first, definitely. And we're, we're all about that here at Tagoras. So number two is going to be that the money is in the list. And you will, you will hear this again and again from successful internet marketers. Uh, not that they don't use social media, not that they don't uh, you know, want to have search engine optimization on their website. All of that stuff is important, but they want your name on a list so that they can contact you. And they don't want just any names on their list. They want the right people to have opted in to their list so that they are then able to communicate with them. And you know, email comes in for 
a lot of criticism these days or just a lot of worry that you know too much email is being sent. Uh, actually, in our 10 ways uh, resource for this episode, we point out that many organizations could probably be sending more email, though they need to have that value component in their emails. Uh, the fact is, you know, an email list, a good email list is still really the number one way to sell particularly educational product, products, um, whether those are uh, online products or their events. We see it again and again with clients. That's where they are getting the most uptake when they are able to send out a successful email and get the clicks from that. That's when they're going to get a registration. Now, there's a little bit of a twist on this. You know, if you're a membership organization, as many of the, the folks listening to this episode are, then obviously, you know, you've got your membership list. That's your membership email list. And so you're, you're using that for your marketing purposes. And that's great. But a lot of times, organizations don't really kind of uh, uh, cultivate and manage that list in the way they need to. Because just because somebody has signed up to be a member for you doesn't mean they're necessarily enthusiastic about what you're doing from an education standpoint. I mean, hopefully they are, at least initially. But, you know, really for a membership organization or for any organization that has a, a large established list, maybe a customer list, uh, whatever, you need to be looking at that over time, tending that list, segmenting that list, you know, really uh, making sure that the people you're communicating want to hear from you. And oftentimes, you know, for an education department, this means, you know, stepping up and, and trying to, you know, grab a little ground, I guess, in the marketing department and say, you know, hey, we want to make sure that we are doing special offers that, uh, that make people sort of raise their hand and say, yes, I'm interested so that we can see that. And we can see, you know, that uh, th this, this group of people that we have on our list are people who do want to hear from us about this thing, um, about this event, about this online course. But, you know, in general, you definitely do not want to lead, leave your list building to chance. You don't want to just reply, uh, rely on a membership list. Um, and if you don't have a membership list, then you want to be very actively doing everything you can to get people to sign up for your list uh, so that you're able to contact them. And then you want to also you know, cultivate and tend that list over time to make sure you've got the right people on there, people who are interested in hearing from you, and that when you are communicating with them, you're communicating something of value consistently to them so that they're interested in continuing to hear from you, uh, sometimes buy from you, sometimes not, but uh, certainly at least a portion of, of the time they're going to be buying from you. So that second uh, step is to uh, have the good email list. The money is in the list, so it's a question of both quantity and quality. You need That's the, right. the right people, and you need uh, as many of them as possible on that list. So the um, third rule is teaching sales. And so if you're in the, the learning business, um, then you know, you're selling education, but... Uh, the other thing to notice and to realize is that education itself is also a very powerful selling tool. And education-based marketing has been around for a long time, but the internet has uh, really turned into an absolutely essential tool for all types of businesses. And back to that first rule of, of delivering value, you know, a great way to deliver value is to share useful knowledge with your customers and, and show them how to apply it. So you're really actually teaching them something. You're giving them a little bit of, of education. Now, sometimes... Um, Ironically, I think that organizations that are in the learning business often aren't that great at realizing that they can use um, teaching and learning to actually sell um, and you know do things like um, even offering a free demo course um, and, and doing things like that that could help um, organizations 
reach customers who might be interested, even that level of thing doesn't tend to happen um, very, very much. Or sometimes if there is free um, educational content, maybe it's behind the member paywall, which then means you already have to have, uh, the, the person already has to have uh, agreed to be a member before they can even sort of see that value that you're offering in the form of education. That's right. And we do find that this really is a perennial issue with organizations. They've got things behind that member paywall. And in many cases, that means even the members aren't necessarily going to be aware of it. But it certainly means that prospective members who you could be getting on a list, you could then be marketing to both for educational and membership purposes, are not going to be aware of you. They're not going to be able to access that educational value, see what you have to offer, and then become more involved in the organization. So that is the teaching sales aspect of it. And then to kind of stick with that teaching model, I guess the, the number four we would say is that testing teaches. And we're not talking about the kind of test where you sit down with you know pen and paper or, or answer questions on an online form. We're talking about testing out your, your content and your marketing concepts in general. So you know one of the many reasons to put high value educational content in front of your prospects is that it gives you a chance to test the market. You can see what actually resonates and you can do this in a low cost way. So a, you know, a blog post or a quick video that's related to content for an event or a course that you plan to launch you can see, does that actually, does that get visitors? Does it get people to engage with it and share it? Uh, knowing that, you know, can be really tremendously helpful in deciding whether to, to develop something or possibly how to develop it because you'll get good market feedback. And, you know, there are many other ways in which internet marketers test their markets. One of the things that they do routinely is to run what are called A-B split tests on their emails, for example. So they'll send out two versions of the same email Email marketing programs are going to allow you to, you know, split who on your list it gets sent to, and you'll see if, for example, one subject line does better than another, or if uh, one slightly, you know, modified content in, in one email gets a different response than uh, than content in another. So, you know, you, you really have to be engaging in, in in some level of testing. You know, even if you, you know, don't have the the responsibility or the desire to get as technical as doing an A/B test, you need to make sure that there are people in your organization who know how to run those sorts of tests and, and that you know, you've got access to them and that they've got your ear and you're going to be able to get them to do that sort of stuff. If you don't have somebody in your organization, you can, you can also find contractors who can help you with this type of testing work. Um, a resource we often suggest is Upwork. Uh, just go to upwork.com to, um, to find contractors there and you can explain you know, that you're trying to do an A-B test or you're trying to test out different types of content and, and people are going to know what you're talking about. Uh, and the, the final thing I'd mention in, in this area is something, a concept we've talked about many times before, which is just the, the minimum viable product. Uh, we'll, and we'll link to some posts that, um, that we've done on this. But you know, this is the idea that you get a product into the market that meets the, the essential value that your uh, customers, members are looking for in terms of educational content. And you see what the response to that is before you go and build you know, a full-blown course or an event or, or anything else. Uh, you know, we advocate, for example, using live webinars to pilot the content that you might then put into an on-demand course later, but you, know, you don't take the step to fully investing in all of the instructional design and development that would go into the on-demand course. You start out with a webinar with a, with a live audience, get their feedback, and use that to, to shape things. So all sorts of forms of just testing out your ideas out there, your product ideas, uh, to see what's actually going to work with your market. Internet marketers do this all the time. Well, and I just want to stress, too, that there, 
these are marketers and they're they're really focused on the full picture of marketing, not just the promotion part of it, which I think gets a lot of uh, attention when people do tune into marketing, but also that product um, aspect of, of marketing, making sure, like you were just saying, Jeff, that you have that um, uh, market evidence that people really like what you're offering out there. So you put out that MVP, that minimum viable product, you get the feedback, make sure that it's actually providing value the way you think it's going to. Yeah, it's fundamental to to how they do product strategy. So the fifth rule is emotion rules. And um, this is a point that we've um, made in other places, uh, especially around pricing. Um, And we can point to uh, a a resource uh, around that in the show notes as well. But, you know, value is about perception. You know, your uh, customers, your prospective customers have to um, perceive value there. And when you think about perception, it's um, often driven by emotion, not so much logic, but you just kind of go, oh yeah, I like that, or I think that can help me. And it's a much more um, uh, sort of heart-based versus head-based response to it. And so the really successful internet marketers, they know how to weave their products into a story that really gets that emotional response from the prospective buyer. And so they tend not to focus all that much actually on the products that they're selling and they tend to focus more on the outcomes. So maybe it's more freedom, maybe it's more um, self-sufficiency, maybe it's, uh, you know, better health, maybe it's um, uh, less headache uh, managing staff, you know, you begin to get the picture here. And I think we see a lot of organizations that sort of forget this point. And when they talk about a, a product and an educational offering and they sit down to do the, the marketing, the promotion, they, they tend to focus on things like, you know, how much credit um, something offers or the fact that it's convenient or that it's um, timely. And those can be benefits. And I think that people can perceive those as valuable, but they don't tend to have that emotional pull. And they also tend to be the same kinds of things that, that competitors either are already touting or certainly can start to tout if, you know, and, and so it doesn't leave you in a particularly unique position. And so figuring out that emotional connection, that emotional story you want to make, that can be tough. And, and I think that's probably why it doesn't happen all that often. But it's really worth the effort to begin to make guesses about what matters to your learners. Um, And so you want to make sure that you're listening to um, your learners, that you're observing them. Um, This might be an area where you can do things like focus groups and and interviews so that you really are hearing from the horse's mouth, from the learner's mouth, what it is they value, what they would like more of, what what isn't helpful to them. And you begin to hear those stories um, that people are telling about their training and education and experiences. And then that begins um, to provide you with with that fodder that you can really turn into this emotional story that you can um, put into your marketing. Now, I will note this is the area where internet marketing can kind of go to the dark side <laughs> in a way. You know, a lot of people, and uh, unfortunately, rightfully so, do not have a high opinion of internet marketers. Uh, they can feel uh, sleazy, manipulative. And it's often when that happens because they're they're doing the emotion thing poorly. They haven't really understood who they're talking to, and uh, you know they're they're trying to tug on people's heartstrings, but uh, but haven't really made the connection. And like you said, this this is tough. I mean, this is where 
you know, the, the good marketers really stand out that, um, you know, first of all, they're ethical and they are taking the time to really understand who they're talking to and what is meaningful to them. And they take it to heart. And it comes across in, in how they present themselves out to the marketplace that, that they're trying to, to serve. So if you can master the emotional side of, uh, of the picture, that's, I mean, it's really, really powerful. This next one is also very powerful, number six. And this one is words matter. Yeah, right. Words matter. And we all know that attention is, you know, a really precious resource these days. So, you know, whether a prospect is surfing the web, opening an envelope, checking your inbox, you typically have a matter of seconds or in many cases milliseconds during which she's going to decide whether or not to pay attention to you. So your choice of words in that brief time and that can make the difference between starting a long-term relationship or simply racking up another bounce, as they call it, you know, when somebody comes to your website and then basically leaves immediately because they haven't seen anything that, that feels like it's going to be of value to them. And then, you know, arguably even more important, once you have a prospect's attention, you need to make it count. You're going to need to convert them because it's, you know, it's very nice to get their attention, but if they don't do anything with that, then, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, you know, here again, the words you use uh, really count. So, you know, how do you convey the value that we talked about in, in the first point here as rapidly and effectively as possible and convince the prospect to take action, you know, whether that means actually making a purchase or whether it's simply signing up for an email list, as we talked about in number two, building your list. So successful internet marketers recognize that you know, they either need to master the skills of great copywriting or they need to hire people who already have mastered those skills. And uh, many ca- in many cases, the organizations that you know, we're talking to through this podcast, who we work with, don't necessarily have somebody on staff who's got great copywriting skills. I mean, it's not, that's not just a general marketing skill. That's, that's very specific. Somebody who's really trained and, and has that down to both an art and a science. But you can hire those people. And again, you know, a resource for this type of thing is to go to a site like upwork.com. Uh, um, where you can find uh, uh, good copywriters. But I'd also say, you know, giving training to your marketing staff, giving, getting training for yourself and how to write effective copy can be extremely powerful. And we'll also recommend uh, a couple of, of books um, that we think are, are great for supporting this and giving you some good examples. And we'll recommend some other sites uh, as well that you can visit for good copywriting advice. And again, you'll be able to find those in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode. 109. So we are at the seventh and final rule of uh, uh, internet marketing that we're going to offer. It's no process, no business. So if you think about these internet marketers, I mean, they're, they're in it for the long haul. They're focused on building a, a scalable and sustainable business. So they're not just kind of, you know, one and done. They want to create um, something that they can uh, continue to leverage. And so they tend to be masters of efficiency and really look for ways that uh, to, they're going to help them grow their revenue and profitability without adding a lot of, of labor. And so they're doing things like, you know, creating these repeatable formulas or um, nailing down a process that they can reuse or a system that they're going to use to drive new business. And and very often they will share all or at least significant parts of these processes and and systems. And then that becomes part of how they they market themselves. That's part of that value that they're offering out. Um, And I think really importantly, they know that creating content once and then leveraging 
the heck out of it is really one of the most powerful ways to to scale. And so, you know, if you think about something like starting with a video and then you can, um, you know, edit it down into shorter bits, you can extract the audio, you can create transcripts. And so just with this one uh, kind of uh, capture of the video, you can begin to have a variety of different uh, offerings that offer value out there. Internet marketers also tend to really bake in continuous contact with customers. Uh, and so they're not having to kind of, you know, gear up for some big um, initiative to reach out to customers or prospects. That's just something that's happening automatically and naturally as they're emailing their lists and uh, making offers and they're paying attention to who responds to which offers and they're using all of that to get to know their customers better and better. So in short, uh, internet marketers recognize that great products are only part of the equation and what you really have to have is an efficient, scalable process to go along with any products. And that's what's going to give you a sustainable business. And this is a point we've really been trying to to learn and make part of our business over time. We've looked to folks like John Jantz uh, at Duct Tape Marketing, who has some great perspectives on this, and we'll link to him. And people like Ryan Dice, uh, we have uh, his uh, invisible selling machine sitting on the, the desk in our office here, and have incorporated some of his methods into how we approach email automation and uh, you know how we're going to maintain engagement with our list uh, over time. We have a process built into that whole list component of things. So that was number seven. And to, to recap the rules, we had number one, which was value first, making sure you're providing value even before you're asking for anything. Uh, number two was the money is in the list. So you know, making sure you're building that list. And even if you have the list, making sure you're tending it and cultivating it and you know, really continuing to provide value to it in, in ways that are meaningful to the people who are on the receiving end. Number three was teaching sales. So we talked about the power of educational content as a marketing tool and, and tapping into that resource that, of course, learning businesses are naturally going to have uh, but aren't necessarily using. Number four is testing teaches. And again, this is not a, a school test. This is uh, testing out your, your ideas in the marketplace and getting feedback that helps you to decide your strategic direction, your product strategy, uh, just figure out what's going to work. Number five was emotion rules. So, you know, trying to really connect with people, not just at a logical, intellectual level, but at an emotional level, because that's where most decisions, including buying decisions, are usually made. Number six was words matter. So being able to write great, compelling copy that gets attention and then leads people to converting, to actually you know, signing up, purchasing, whatever it is that, uh, that you want them to do. And then finally, no process, no business. You really need to be able to take all of this and get it into a process uh, or you'll drive yourself crazy, frankly. You know, you've got to be able to repeat this, automate it, uh, really make it kind of a, a machine. Ryan Dice uses the, the word or the words invisible selling machine for a reason. Um, and uh, and uh, it's a, a lesson definitely to take to heart. So you just recapped those seven rules, Jeff, um, and those are what successful internet marketers do, but it's really important to note that um, they follow them uh, consciously, that they are tend to be very clear about their overall strategy and very deliberate in how they proceed with executing on that strategy. And so the important thing to note is that strategy is the context that makes these rules work for you. And we'll wrap up this special archive edition of Leading Learning with that note about strategy. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 165. 
When you check out the show notes, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear and even rehear here, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us to get some data on the impact of what we're doing with the podcast. And we'd also be grateful if you take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes or whatever service it is that you use to listen to us. For iTunes, all you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. Salise and I personally appreciate your rating and review, especially at this holiday time of year. You can consider it a little bit of a gift to us. But even more importantly, those reviews and ratings play an important role in helping the podcast show up when people search for content on the business of lifelong learning, continuing education, and professional development. We'd be grateful if you'd check out our sponsor for this episode, Learning Technology Design at ltd.tagoras.com. Again, this is our annual virtual conference. And if you, like most of our leading learning listeners, work in the business of lifelong learning, continuing education, and professional development, it is an event not to be missed. And finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash learning. And of course, you can share us with others there. However you do it, please do help share the good word about leading learning. Thanks again and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.